Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Uh, It's good to have you here. Good to be with you. If you're watching online, we're so excited that you're here. We have a lot of fun around here at Christmas. And before we dive into our last message in our series that we're doing kind of leading up to Christmas... I want to encourage you, whether you're new to City Walk or whether you've uh, been coming for a long time, next Saturday and Sunday, we'll be having our Christmas services. So next Saturday night and Sunday morning, we'll have the exact same service. You can choose, obviously, if you like evening better or if you want to come on Sunday morning. We're going to have a special thing for the kids inside of the service. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll still have preschool and nursery Uh, for the little ones. But on your way out today, I would encourage you to pick up two things. Pick up a handful of invite cards, and let's get those out. We probably have about 200 left, and we want to get those out. We don't want to throw any of them away. And then we have uh, 500 door hangers. And uh, we want to Everybody, if if you live in a neighborhood, if you live like out in the sticks, it's like, well, I could hang a door on a tree or a door hanger on a tree. It's not going to help any. Uh, But if you live in a neighborhood, pick up 10 or 15 of those. Take two, three minute, a three minute walk this week and just hang them on the doors of your neighbors. And you would be surprised how many people come to our church today and they say, the reason I'm here is because someone hung a door hanger on my door, and that's why I came to church. And so on your way out, grab some of those. Let's get the word out, and let's have a great time next weekend at our Christmas services. Uh, that movie that uh, you, if you, is that, a, is that a favorite movie of some of you? Some of you guys like that movie? So I, I grew up in a family where that, we literally never watched that movie. Uh, not because we, there was anything wrong with it, but we just, it was never, we were like classics, like let's watch Rudolph, you know, let's watch White Christmas, and, and some of the classics we would watch every single year. And then I started dating this California girl named Lori Gledhill. Uh, we met up at, uh, in Scroon Lake, New York, upstate New York, and we started dating, and, and then we got married, obviously. Uh, And she said, hey, our family, one of our family's favorite movies that you guys have to watch is this story about Ralphie. And we're like, you know what? I never, we never watched that movie. So this is back in the day. If you're, if you're a college student or a teenager, you've never experienced what I'm about to tell you. But we actually went to a place called Blockbuster Video and we rented uh, the VCR tape uh, for this, this movie. And we came home, and, and Lori, she, you know, when you build something up, and, and you like hope people like it as much as you, but then they don't, that's actually what happens. She's like, oh, you're going to love this movie. She's like, the major award, and all these special like inside jokes about this movie, and all the, the lines that are classic lines. And we start watching it, and my family's like, what kind of show? 
Like, this makes me hate Christmas more than like Christmas. Like, what is this show? And, and Lord, no, no, wait till this part. We'd wait till that part. No, nope, that, that didn't do it for us either. Oh, no, no, you're going to love the... And so it's a favorite of my wife, but it's, it's not a favorite of ours. And if it's one of your favorites, you know this, and it, even if it's not, uh, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's a story about a kid named Ralphie. Uh, he lives in northern Indiana. And throughout the movie, the whole movie is from his perspective. You hear him talk about how he watches his brother eat and how he gives you his perspective on how his brother eats. He gives you his perspective. His dad won this major award for, for at, at his work and he gives his perspective on that. And then the thing that you hear throughout the whole movie is how, man, he is hoping that on Christmas morning that it's going to be a special Christmas morning for him because he's going to open up a Red Ryder BB gun. And that's like the thing that he is hoping for all movie long. And what makes this movie fun and what makes people love it is it's because it's told from the perspective of this little kid named Ralphie that desperately wants this BB gun. And if it wasn't told from his perspective, it probably wouldn't be a classic that people watch. But because it's told from his perspective, it, it just it brings a lot of fun to the movie. And it's why people watch it. It's why some stations will actually show it 24 hours in a row on Christmas Day, which I don't know. That's ridiculous to me, but some people love it that much. But it's because it's from his perspective. And what we've done over this past few weeks is we've been looking at the Christmas story from the perspectives of some of the people that actually lived it. And here's what you know, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, perspective leads to understanding and understanding leads to impact. When you understand the perspective, or when you kind of get the perspective of someone that was there, that lived it, it helps you understand it better. And that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to look from, from the eyes of some of the people that were actually there and really get their perspective. And so whether you're a person that, man, I'm not really into the Jesus thing, maybe you're investigating faith, maybe you just thought, hey, it's getting close to Christmas, so I need to get to church a few times, or whether you're somebody that's a follower of Jesus and you've been following him for a long time, whether you're watching online or here, I want to encourage you to lean in this morning. As we look at the Christmas story from the perspective of some shepherds that actually lived it. They were actually there. And so instead of looking through the lens of someone who lives in America in 2023, I invite you to look at the Christmas story, maybe in a different way, from the perspective of the shepherds who were right there and honestly never asked to be part of the Christmas story, but became vital parts of it. And Luke, a guy that was a doctor that we've been kind of reading some of his writings the last few weeks, he kind of wrote down probably the classic Christmas passage that you've heard, even if you didn't grow up in church. And he gives us the perspective of the shepherds, and he starts by telling us about this young couple who's about to have a baby. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So there's this guy named Caesar Augustus that you may have heard of. And he's kind of the the dude that's in charge. And he kind of makes a decree, which in this day, a decree isn't an optional thing. When it's a decree, it's like, this is what we're going to do. And his decree was that everyone needed to go to kind of their hometown and they needed to be counted. They needed to register. It was a census. And, and they, they were being counted not really for good reasons. It really wasn't a, a something that people probably look forward to. They were being counted so that they would know like how much to tax people. And they wanted to make sure nobody slipped through the cracks uh, of being taxed. And so everybody has to kind of make their way because the, the guy in charge says we all have to go back to our home area and be counted. And so the story goes on, and we we hear about Joseph and Mary. It says this in verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So Joseph... And his kind of, they were kind of engaged. Mary and him weren't married yet. They were uh, kind of promised. He says, all right, Mary, we got we to gotta roll to Bethlehem. And that's, you know, that's where I'm from. And so I got to go there and, and we got to be counted. And it probably seems like they're kind of under a, a time crunch because she's really, really pregnant. And it wasn't like, hey, let's wait to have the baby. And then we'll, we'll take a long weekend to go there. Like, yeah, we got to get there. So Mary is is. Nine months pregnant, the, one of the translations says it this way, great with child. And uh, we men in the room have no clue what that means. But you ladies, you, you, you understand it's that time in your pregnancy that you're done being pregnant. But you're, you're like, let's, let's get this baby out. This is where Mary is. And so Joseph's like, hey, babe, uh, we got the most comfortable donkey for you, and we're going to take a long trip. God bless you. I hope it's fun for you. We're going to actually go to Bethlehem. And so, so they do. They go to Bethlehem. Mary's pregnant. And when they get there, Joseph hasn't gone on Airbnb, and he hasn't gone and booked a hotel yet. And he gets there and finds out, oh, Mary, one thing I forgot as we were getting ready to come here, I forgot to get us a place to stay. And in fact, There's not a lot of places for us to stay. Look at verse 6. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And so we see this, like, again, whether you grew up in church or not, you've seen these cute... And everybody has one little manger scene in front of your Christmas tree. It's clean and cute and precious. And, oh, don't touch it, it'll break. This is like a really nice thing. But that's not really what it was like. So Mary, think about it. Think about it when you have traveled a long time. And you, if you know Jesus, you're like, man, if, if you could ever lose your salvation, it might be today because I hate the people I'm in the car with because we've been driving forever and I just want to be out. Well, this is probably like they've been going a long way and, and they're like, 
you know what? They're, after a long trip, what do you want to do after a long trip? You, man, let's get a shower. Let's find a place to rest. Let's have a good meal. Let's kind of take it easy. And they get there, no place for them to go. And on top of that, Mary is literally about to have a baby. And so Joseph, you know the story, man, they find a, probably like a cave, maybe a little stable, place where animals stay. And, and we think, oh, baby in a manger. The reason it was in a manger, because they didn't have a bed. So they take the, this baby Jesus, the son of God, he's born and they wrap him up and they literally lay him in a feeding trough. That's where he, he slept. That's where he laid. And a few miles outside of the city, not, not far at all, there's this group of shepherds who are in this field. They're just minding their own business. They're doing probably what they do every single night the same way they do it. And, and they're just, they have no clue what's going on just a few miles away. They're just doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, everything changes for them. And Luke tells us kind of how it goes down in verse 8. He says this, he says, he introduces the shepherds. He says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, just keeping watch over their flocks, doing what a shepherd does. And, and if you know anything about shepherds, it's one of the oldest professions it really in the world. Pretty simple assignment. They tended the sheep. They fed the sheep. They guarded them, tried to make sure they were okay. Uh, shepherds in, in most societies, they weren't like the highest guys on the totem pole in society. Uh, they were sometimes looked down on. Uh, they were guys that they, they weren't high on the social ladder. Sometimes it was because they were known to be thieves, some of them. Uh, for some of them, it was because, you know, they, they were out with the animals all the time. And so they couldn't even really take part in all the religious ceremonies because they were thought to be unclean. And so these are guys just out in the field. They're, they're just nobody special. They're probably not guys that anybody cares about or knows much about. They're just part of society. And they're sitting there not understanding that in just a few seconds, everything is about to change. And Luke tells us what happens as their night changes pretty radically. It says this in verse 9. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So it's out, middle of the night, just doing their thing. All of a sudden, this angel appears, the glory of the Lord. I mean, this is, this is something that just takes them by surprise. It scares them to death. They're not sure. They're probably like, man, I knew we shouldn't have taken that other, stole that thing. Now look what's happening. God sent an angel. But, but they're, they're out there they're just minding their business and they're scared to death. They're terrified. They're great with fear. And, and maybe you've experienced this where you have been so surprised by something that scared you that it almost like locked you up for a second. Like it just stopped you. The other night I was, I played a bad trick on my wife and my 10-year-old daughter, I was out, and we have, you know, Christmas lights out in front of the house, but they're actually plugged in in the back of our house. So every night, it, you know, when it starts to get dark, I'll go out and I'll plug them in, and then at the end of the night, before we go to bed, I'll unplug them. And so I was, it was getting to that, like, we're later at night, we're getting ready for bed, and Kate was still up, and Lori, and they were in the, our bedroom, and, 
And uh, I go out and I unplug the lights. And our window is right where above where the lights get plugged in. So I'm like, hmm. And you know how you do this. You have these debates in your mind like, should I scare the crud out of them? Because I can. I, I have that power right now. I can just scare them to death. Or should I just go in and be a good godly dad and husband and, and leave them alone and let them rest? And of course, I chose the bad. And I, so I just, I'm like, how hard can I hit this window without breaking it? And, and so I just, bah, 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 bah. and Kate, yeah, scared to death, but then mad. You know, when you've been so scared, but after you get over like being so scared, then you're just mad at the person. So I make my way in and Kate is just steady grabbing her sleeping bag and everything. She's like, yeah, I'm sleeping in here tonight with you guys because of that. And, and, and Kate had that. I, I looked in them and I should have been like, oh, this feels so bad. But I actually laughed. I saw Kate just terrified for like five seconds and then she got really mad. But you've had those experiences where, man, somebody jumped out at you or something happened when you were just kind of in a daze, going about your business, doing what you always do. Somebody scares you and it just t locks you up for a second. Well, that's what is happening. These guys are out in the field. It's probably some of them are sleeping. They're kind of having small talk. And then all of a sudden, here comes this angel and it terrifies them. It overwhelms them. And though they are paralyzed with fear, their perspective is about to change as the angel shares with them a little bit more about what's going on. It says this in verse 10, it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Man, man, you're not in trouble, guys. Don't be afraid. Get up, get your breath. I actually, instead of being afraid, I actually have some really good news. And it's not just good news for you. What I'm about to tell you is good news that's going to bring joy to the whole world. This is great news, guys. Listen up. And it says this, the, the angel goes on and he says, today in the town of David, which is right there for these guys, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, which again was totally different than what they would normally find with a brand new baby. So like, it's going to be obvious that this is the one. See, about this time, these, these shepherds, I'm, I don't know what they're thinking. They might be looking at each other like, why is he, does he know who we are? Why, why would you tell us this? Like, you're telling us that the baby that has been promised for literally thousands of years, the deliverer, the Messiah, the one that we've heard about, that that baby was born tonight? And not only was that baby born tonight, but it was, it's just a few miles down the road? And you're coming to us to tell us this? And the angel, as he, as he said this to him, he's like, man, yeah, if you'll... Just a couple feeding troughs, like go to a couple stables just a few miles down the road. You're going to actually see the baby and it's actually laying in the feeding trough. You'll know it's the one because it's in a feeding trough. And, and then he tells him, he says, man, you could actually go see the baby. Like you, you could go. Scripture goes on. Luke continues the story and he says, suddenly, so not just one, but suddenly a great company 
of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So as these shepherds, they're starting to feel the weight of this story and like there's a baby and it's the Savior and yeah, we've heard of that Savior. Why are you telling us? We're wondering. But then all of a sudden, it goes from just one angel to just the whole sky fills up. A, heaven, what, a heavenly host, which was probably thousands of angels saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then as fast and surprising as the angels come, they're gone. And, and these guys, they, they have to decide. Well, what are we going to do with this? Like we just, it's overwhelming. We just were told this by angels. Is this really happening? And Luke tells us kind of what their next steps were. He says this, he says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. I mean, they're sitting there, the angels are gone, and it's like, Man, I don't know about you, but I can't sit on this. Like, there's something happening inside of me. We've, we've got to go check this out. Let's go. So they hurried, urgency, there was focus. And after what was probably not a long search, like these are guys that probably knew the city. They knew where the stables were. They knew where the caves were. They knew where this baby could probably be. After not a long search, they walk into an area usually meant for animals. And they see this young couple, Mary and Joseph, and beside them in a small feeding trough is this baby just lying in this, and I don't know, maybe he was crying, maybe he was, but, but laying in a manger. I don't know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, think, just put, again, try to look at this from their perspective. Don't look at it from, oh, I've heard this story all my life. Like, look at it from their perspective. They're hanging out in a field just doing their job, monotony, every night the same thing. All of a sudden, the angels come, and the sky just blows up with tons of angels, and they're telling them about the Savior. And just a couple miles down the road, you'll find this baby that's been promised for thousands of years, and he'll actually be lying in a manger, a feeding trough. And so I... They, they go, and I don't know if they're thinking, like, as they're walking, like, is this real? Are, are we really about to see something? Or did we, are we, like, on this hidden camera show? Or what is going on here? But they go into the stable or the cave, wherever this baby was, and they look, and there it is. There he is. And I don't know what, what's going through their minds. Did they say anything right away? Did they just experience just humility and were they amazed? Did they look at Jesus and did it remind them of the sheep that they raised that would then be sacrificed? Did they know enough to know that this Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice? I mean, what's an appropriate response to this? I mean, what do you do with this? 
You've just seen something that literally no one else in the world in history has seen except for a young couple. You're the first to see this baby. And now is it just go back to the field or like just continue on with your night? Like, what do you do with this? And Luke tells us, says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So, so when, they, when they saw him, they just decided, we just got to go tell a few more people. Like, like we, We've just seen something that is amazing, that's life-changing. We don't even know what to totally do with it, but we've got to go tell some more people about this. So, so they went, and it says this in verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So they go and they just start telling people what they saw, what they had heard. And it says that when people kind of interacted with these guys, they were amazed too. Were they amazed by the message? Were they amazed by, well, the, these shepherds? That Why are these guys the ones telling us this? What was amazing? But they, it says that as they interacted with people and as they spread the word, that the people they talked to were amazed. And it's just crazy because these were the only people on the planet, other than mom and dad, that knew Jesus was born. And after spending time with Mary and Joseph, we don't know how long, if it was an hour, five hours, they just, on the way back to the field, they just told people about what they had seen, what they had heard. It was just natural. You you know this. When you experience something that just kind of blows your mind, and I mean that in a good way, like just something happens, you go somewhere, you have an experience that just is more than you could have ever expected. It's, it's a favorite thing for you now. It's a favorite meal. It's a favorite place. It's a favorite ride. Whatever. Like, no one has to prod you to tell people about that. Like, you're, you're going to go, hey, have you been to blah, 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 blah? Well, I went there this past week, and oh, I loved it. You got to go. It's just natural. Like, when there's something that you have experienced that's exciting, that's life-changing, that encourages you, like, you can't help. Nobody has to be like, hey, if you go tell a few people, I'll give you five bucks for every person you tell. No, you're going. It's just what happens. I love food, obviously. And uh, I need to not love food as much. But man, when I experience a good restaurant, I'm hitting up my friends usually like, let me get a picture of this. And I'm, I'm telling them about it before I even am done eating it. it it's just natural. And, and you do the same thing. You do the same thing. Like when you met the person that's your wife or husband, when you saw him the first time, unless you were worried that your best friend was going to steal her or him, you went and told your best friend, like, let, did you, have you met? Man, you've got to help me get connected there. Like, it's just natural. And that's what these guys did. And, and, and understanding their perspective and trying to see things from their perspective, it really gives us a different picture of of what the Christmas story is. But here's the question it leaves us with. It's it's one question that 
Maybe people wondered back then, but it's a, a good question. And, and here's a simple question. Why the shepherds? Just think about it. If you're starting a movement that you hope is about to change the world, why would you go to the guys in the field that just weren't that big of a deal? At best, they weren't a big deal. At worst, they were looked down upon. Just weren't, it, it wasn't a big deal. They, they didn't have a lot of influence. Like, why would you go to them? Why would you make them the mouthpiece for your movement to start? Why wouldn't you go get the religious guy? Why wouldn't you get the king? Why wouldn't you get the influential business leader? Why, why would you go get the guys that nobody really wants to listen to? Why? It's a great question. And, and here's what we know. God's choice is not based on the world's credentials, but his glory and purpose. Because if you and I were God, we probably wouldn't have chose the shepherds. If you're like, hey, who can we get? Who do we need to kind of bring into this thing early on so we can kind of get this thing moving really good? We're probably not going to find the shepherds and like, oh, let's put them on the, oh man, maybe hopefully we can recruit them to be on the team. But, but God doesn't work like us. God's choice, it's not based on the world's credentials. He's not looking through the same lens that you and I look through. He's looking through the lens of what glorifies me and what helps me with the purpose I have for my son being born. See, God's choice of the shepherds, it shows us a few things. But a few, one of the things that it shows us is this, and hopefully this encourages you. It shows us that Jesus came for the broken, the rejected, the skeptical, the irreligious. When you think about the shepherds, and, and maybe what God was trying to tell us, or what was, we can kind of take away, we can take away that, you know what? God, he, he came for the broken. He, he actually came for the people that religion wouldn't allow to be a part of their system. He, he came for the skeptical. He came for the rejected. He, he came for that. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. If you read through the Gospels, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and, and you really look at Jesus and who he hung out with as an adult and who he ministered to and, and who was on the front line when he was talking and teaching, who was leaning in the most, it shouldn't surprise us that he chose the shepherds. Because all throughout Jesus' ministry, one of the things that got him in trouble with the religious crowd was he hung out with people that would ruin your reputation. He hung out with the broken. He hung out with the rejected. He invited the people that were not religious to follow him. And so one of the encouraging things that we take away from his choice of the shepherds is that, man, God came for people like us. He came for people like us. He came for people that religion said no to. He came for people like us. But another thing we kind of take away from the story and just really the, the choice of the shepherds is one thing, another thing it reminds us of is this, that Jesus transforms people, not religion. See, the shepherds, they were guys that because of 
who they were and because they were unclean in kind of the religious circles, they were guys that weren't even really allowed to take part in a lot of the religious ceremonies that were important to take part in. And yet God chose them. See, the shepherds had kind of been rejected by the religious system. But here's the thing. It would be a tragedy if all we had to offer people was a religious system. And instead of religion, the shepherds met Jesus. Instead of offering religion, the angels didn't say, hey, hey, uh, you probably should go to the temple and you should light this candle and you should, you should read this verse and you should go do this and go do that and go do that and clean up this and clean up that. And when you get all that done, if you still have time, you can go see the Savior. Said, no, 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 no. Just a mile or two down the road, the Savior's born. He'll be in a manger when you get there. They didn't have to make a pit stop off at the, the religious crowd and make sure that the religious people kind of checked all the boxes. No, they went to the Savior. They went to see Jesus. And they didn't have, there wasn't a, a couple things they had to jump over or do. It was, no, I was, let's get to Jesus as fast as possible. Because Jesus transforms, not religion. We don't do because we want God to love us. We do because God loves us. God loves us unconditionally. And because and from that love is why we serve. It's why we do things because we are loved. We don't do it to gain his love. And that's what we see. We see that in the story of the shepherds. But here's the thing. That's all good. And wow, that's great. But, but knowing these truths, as much as the, the shepherds kind of heard and the things they learned and the truth they were given before anybody else, knowing these truths is important and helpful, but it's not enough. And here's what I mean. The shepherds knew a Savior had been born. They could have stayed in the field and other, and, and other than uh, like a really crazy memory that they could tell other people about, nothing would have changed in their life if they would have stayed in the field. I mean, they had just been given amazing truth, life-changing truth, history-changing truth in a pretty crazy way. Like it wasn't a quiet, like in a pretty amazing way, the truth came to them with a like sky full of angels. But if they would have stayed in the field that night, all they would have had was a, a memory to tell around the campfire later on. Nothing would have changed. What made this a transformative night for the shepherds is what they did with the truth they were told. Because here's what we got to realize. Information educates, but it doesn't transform. Information, it, it will educate you, but it won't transform you. I mean, there's a pile of people that know a lot more about the Bible than you do or I do, and they're jerks. They don't love their neighbor well. They're, they're the person that people at work avoid because they're always nitpicking at everything. But they can tell you chapter and verse for everything. See, information, it educates, and there's a place for it, and we should study the scriptures, and I hope you do on a daily basis. 
But if studying the scriptures, if your theology never reaches your life, doesn't matter. You'll just go to hell with a lot more information in your head than somebody else. Which sounds really mean to say at Christmas, but it's true. See, information educates, but it doesn't transform. And so here's the question I want you to think about. On this week before Christmas, do I want to be transformed? Think about it. And, and do I want to be transformed? A lot of, and this is just honest, a lot of people really don't want to be transformed. A lot of people are good with just filling their mind or reminding themselves of some truth, kind of fattening up their mind and leaving and it never changing their life. And they do that. They do that every single week. That's just their life. So, so that, that, that's the question. I, is, is do, think about it. It's very personal. Like, do I really want God to transform me? Do I want to be transformed? Do I want more than knowledge? Do I want more than just checking a box or two that I, you know, did this or did this? Do I really want God to transform me? And if we want God to transform us, there are two questions that we have to grapple with. If we do, it, honestly, if, if in your heart, if you're watching online or you're here this morning, and even whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, if you're like, you know what, I'm pretty good right now. I'm, I'm just kind of good where I'm at. I, I just kind of try to do the Jesus thing enough to just kind of stay decent, but I, I don't transform kind of getting in my business. That's not really what I'm looking for. If that's the case for you, then you don't need to ask these two questions. But if there's something inside of you that says, you know what? I don't want to just have a head full of knowledge. I want my life transformed. Like the shepherds were transformed. Like Mary was transformed. Like Joseph. Like, I want my life transformed. And there's two questions. And they're, they're pretty easy questions. I'm going to say them and you're going to be like, oh, well, those are pretty basic. Well, here's the first one. What truth did I learn or was I reminded of from God's word? That's the first question. If we're looking to be transformed, we have to ask her, like today or in my devotions yesterday or, you know, when I listened to that podcast and, and somebody was teaching God's word, like, was I just listening to it to fill time or to get more education? Or do I really want some God to do something in my life? Well, to ask yourself this question, what truth did I learn maybe for the first time? Or for a lot of you, it's the truth that I've already heard, but, but God brought it back to my mind. It, it reminded me, like, what truth was that? Because God, if you read through the scriptures, and I even... In my devotions this morning, I was in a passage, actually in Luke, where, where Jesus talked about the importance of listening. And, and he talked about how those that really listen and lean in, he would give more to. Those that listen but rejected, he would, he would hide stuff from. So are we listening? Is there a truth that God's teaching us, that God's laying on our heart, no matter where we are as it relates to faith? Is there something we learned or were we reminded of from God's word? It's the first question. But then here's the second question. It's, again, pretty basic question. What step do I need to take? So, God, you reminded me 
of something about you today. You, you taught me something about you today. Did you just teach me that, God, so I would have more information in my head? Or, or did you really mean that you wanted us to be doers of the word and not hearers only? Was that real? Did, did James, Jesus' brother, really mean in his letter, did he really mean when he talked about how the scriptures were like a mirror? And, and he said the scriptures are like a mirror. They, they show us things and, and we can respond to what we see. Did James really mean that? And if so, then as we interact with truth, just like those shepherds did, they interacted with truth and they had to say, okay, what do we do with this truth we've heard? What step do I need to take? Maybe for you, the step you take is you need to turn. God's reminded you of a truth, and you're like, God, I don't want to just fill my head. I don't want to just get more educated. I want to take what you're teaching me, God, and allow it to transform me. Well, well maybe, it's, maybe it's God saying, okay, here's a step you need to take. You need to turn. You need to turn from something that's distracting you. There's something in your life maybe that God's laid on your heart as you've interacted with his truth and as you just have been teachable before God and said, God, how do you want this to change me? Maybe God's saying, hey, I need, you need to turn from something that's not my best for you. You need to turn. Maybe, maybe God's saying, no, 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 you need to go. You, you need to go. You need to step out of your comfort zone in an area and you need to go somewhere. You need to go. You need to do something. Maybe it's God's reminded you of a truth, and as you're interacting with it, as you're thinking about it, you just feel God saying, oh, i got to go. i got to take a step out of my comfort zone. Maybe it's God says trust. Maybe as you interact with truth and you ask God, God, what do you want me to do with it? He's saying, hey, I, there's an area of your life you still don't trust me in, and, and I need you to trust me. I, I need you to trust me with your kids. I need you to trust me with your finances. I, I need you to believe me about your future. I need you to trust me. Or maybe it's God saying love. He's saying there's somebody in your life that's really hard to love. And I'm telling you, you need to love them. You're, you're interacting with truth. You're, 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 God, I don't want to just have my head filled. I, I want to interact with truth. I want it to transform me. And God's pricking your heart with that person. And it's just so hard to love that person. And, and, and they're just maybe not a nice person. Maybe they haven't treated you well. Maybe they've hurt somebody that you love. And it's like God's saying, no, I need you to love. I need you to forgive. I need you to do what's not comfortable. I need you to step into it. See, you and I, we can sit in church every day of our life. We can fill our mind with information and not experience transformation. And people do it all the time. And then their, then their kids watch them do it. And their kids start to look at God as just a convenience or a part of your life, not the center. Because it was something we did as a family, but it wasn't the center of our family. But when they see a mom or dad that apologizes, that's spending time in God's word, that's 
that's no, that they know is not perfect, but they watch the word of God transform their parents' lives, it, it, cha- it changes them. But when they watch their parents come to church, but yet go home and are jerks to each other and, and go home and nothing changes, but then they clean things up and get ready for church every Sunday, it's super confusing. And kids, they walk away from the the God thing because it was all about just information. It never transformed anybody they loved, so why would they want it? And for the shepherds, this was a transformative night because they heard truth, but they didn't just hear it. They acted on it. And it's why you and I know about them. It's why their story has impacted millions of people for thousands of years. Because they took what they heard and the truth they were given and they did something about it. They acted on the truth. And here's the thing. That's what pleases God. You know why it pleases God? Because it's the ultimate banner that says, I trust you. When I act on God's word, here's what I'm saying. I trust you, God. I believe you. And here's, all, here's also, not only does it please God, but it leads to a bunch, a lot better life. And I don't mean your life's going to be perfect. You'll never have bad times. But man, it's a, just a lot less boring life when you are doing things God's way and you're stepping out and seeing God do cool, crazy things in your life and other people's lives. And so let's be like the shepherds. Let's be people that don't hear truth just to fill our minds. Let's value truth for sure. But let's value truth and let's act on it so it transforms us and God can use us in his mission to transform other people as well. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and the story of the the shepherds. And Lord, these shepherds were guys that they were just living life, doing their thing, and yet you chose to invade their life with truth. And they acted on it, and it transformed them and so many others. Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you would say, hey, Chris, with every head bowed, you'd say, Chris, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life where I have started a relationship with God, not based on my works, but based on what Jesus did for me on the cross. There was a day when I admitted to God that I had sinned, that I had done things my way, and I believed that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me, and I put my trust in God. I started a relationship with God. There's been a time in my life when I've done that. Well, if that's you, let me ask you the question. Just personal. Do you want to experience transformation? Just think about that question. Just really be honest in your heart. Do you want to experience transformation? And if the answer is yes, just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching or listening to this, what truth has God reminded you of? 
What has he taught you? What truth? And what step is he nudging you to take? What truth and what step? And just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching this, are you willing to just trust God and take that step? Maybe for you it's, it's loving someone that's been hard to love. Maybe it's turning from something that is sinful in your life that's distracting you from God's best. Maybe it's stepping out of your comfort zone. Maybe you've been just like living really safe and you know God wants you to step out in an area and trust Him. Are you willing to take a step? Here in a a few minutes, we're going to sing and Josh and Julie are down front and maybe God's just nudging you and and there's a step that you feel like God's nudging you to take and and you would just maybe want to come forward and say, hey, Josh or Julie, would you pray with me? And they would love to pray with you about that step. Maybe for you, it's like, you know what? I don't really need anybody to pray with me, but I'd like to come down front myself and just kind of tell God, God, I I know the step and I want to take the step. And you're just going to maybe pray yourself and just tell God that. Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and for you, you've, you've never started a relationship with God. You're here or you're watching. Maybe somebody invited you. And, and for whatever reason, you just have never taken that step to follow Jesus. Well, transformation, it starts by believing that God loves you and that God sent His Son to die on the cross to pay for your sin. And not only did He die to pay for your sin, but when they put His body in the grave, He rose from the grave And he wants a relationship with you. And transformation starts with saying yes to that relationship. And so maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you'd say, Chris, today I want to take that step. Chris, I want to say yes to a relationship with God. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the grave. I want to take that step. Well, right where you're at, whether it's at home or you're here with us this morning, You can do that right now, just in the quietness of wherever you're at, just from your heart to God, just tell God, God, I admit to you I've sinned. I admit to you I've done things my way. Just tell him. He knows. And then just tell him, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and that he rose from the grave. Just tell him. And then just ask, God, come into my life transform me. I want a relationship with you. Just tell God. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made that decision, as I was praying, you were praying and telling God that. Man, we would love to know about that. You can let us know by, there's a little decision card right in front of you that you can fill out and you can Just drop it in the offering basket. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a decision card there. And we just want to call you this week. Want to see if you have questions. Make sure you understand your decision because it's so important. We'd love to, to serve you in that way. God, I thank you for how you love us the way we are. But you love us enough to not leave us the way we are. You want to transform us. 
And Lord, we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen.